This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air. I'm Kate Bendel, the Dunedin Yoga Lady. Join me every second Tuesday at 10:30 as we explore all things to know about yoga. My passion is to open the doors of this powerful practice to the community and to share that passion with you. The Dunedin Yoga Lady, fortnightly on Tuesdays at 10.30 on ORFM and podcasts from oar.org.nz. Good morning and welcome to the Dunedin Yoga Lady. You're listening to Kate Bendel, I'm the host of the show Hopefully this is for people who are curious about yoga and wanting to know a little bit more or people who already love yoga and are curious about some of the other aspects of yoga that we don't necessarily get a chance to talk about or understand when we're going to a a regular yoga practice. So Today what we're going to talk about and explore is the use of sound in yoga. Those of you who have listened to the show before might know that I'm quite a a fan of using sound in yoga practices. Um, Vedic chanting is one of the the strongest aspects of my practice now after 25-30 years of being a yogi and it's a relatively obscure dimension of yoga yoga here in the west in india not at all it's very common part of a yoga practice in fact it's probably more used than um asana so i want to share with you sort of some of the the background on how and why sound is an essential part of a yoga practice and maybe even excite you enough to have a go at using sound yourself or coming along to one of the classes I teach at New Yoga Studio in Princess Street. Nearly all of my classes we do use sound or mantra in the class. So if at the end of this you're curious, come along and, and, and try it with us. Or if you're shy, maybe we just try it at home. So before we go into the the talking part of the the show this morning, I'm going to open the show with a a prayer, a chant that is to the lineage that I study with, which is the Krishnamacharya lineage. I'm a student and a teacher in that lineage, and chanting is a significant part of it. So just by listening, you will get an understanding of what Vedic chanting is, what it sounds like. Obviously, it's in Sanskrit, and I'm not going to translate it. Um, That's one of the interesting things about using sound in yoga. Traditionally, the meaning was not given. And the reason for this is that in Sanskrit language, the meaning is contained within the vibration of the word. So over time, if we continue chanting something, we will on a deep level begin to have an experience and a relationship and an understanding with what it is. 
not a cognitive mental understanding, something far deeper. So for us in the West, that's sometimes a little confrontational. We like to know what things mean. So, yeah, we do a little bit of both, I must say. Um, even my teachers in my lineage, sometimes they know that for us, we're very thirsty to know. And so sometimes now it, the tradition has changed slightly and the, the meaning is given. Um, so let's just start with this prayer, which really is um, paying respect, asking for blessings from the teachers and from divine forces. And this is a chant that I do every day which often chanting and sound in yoga is something that is easily done on a daily basis. Shuklam paradaram vishnum jajivarnanjadur pujam prasanna vadanandyayeta sarva vignu pashantaye Yasyatviratavakratyaparishatyaparashatam Adharam Sarvavidyanam Hayagrivamupasmahe Undari Gatanasinam Andura Prendusanipam Kandabota Janakam Hayagrivamupasmahe Gurupyastat Gurupyascha Namova Kamati Mahi Vrini Mahi Dampati Jagadampati Sri Guru Pyo Namaha Hadihi O So that is just one example of Vedic chanting. So to explain why I use sound in my practice, uh, I will just kind of give a personal brief, very brief history of my yoga journey and when sound entered into it. Like a lot of people, I practiced for years and years and years doing asana and pranayama and meditation, and there was no sound involved. I hadn't come across it in any teachings. I hadn't been, I hadn't experienced it at all. And I had, you know, a good yoga practice and, and was getting a lot out of it. And yet I came across, I was lucky enough to, be at a workshop where at the end the teacher chanted from Patanjali's Yoga Sutras, the, the, the one of the primary texts on yoga. And for me, it was so deep and so powerful. Just hearing it, I wasn't even chanting it, that it really sparked my curiosity. 
And from that point on, I have been taken down the path, really, of understanding the traditional place of sound in yoga. And it's interesting to know, or I find it interesting, and if you're interested in yoga, you might be curious to know that yoga is obviously a very big philosophy hatha yoga that we're familiar with as a a path and a practice has quite a few tools on offer that we can use and i've talked of them before and we're familiar very familiar with asana we're familiar these days now with pranayama which is the breath work we know about meditation and some of us also know about some of the lifestyle um, habits and ethics that go with yoga What is lesser known is that the very first tool that Patanjali mentions in the Yoga Sutras, so it's the first one, it is sound. So in the Yoga Sutras, we know that there's um, four chapters, they've each got about 50 little phrases in them, so about halfway through the very first chapter, Yoga Sutra 127, we have this Tasya Vachakaha Pranavaha. So what that is referring to, the Pranava mantra, is some of us will be familiar with that as being And that is something that's kind of coming into the the modern yoga scene in a way, perhaps not with much understanding around it or the knowledge that actually it is in the yoga sutras. And it is suggested as the first tool of learning to pick up this path of yoga. And yoga is not the only tradition by any means that uses sound. I think perhaps I may be wrong, but most indigenous cultures have a, a practice of sound in them as a way of connecting with divine, the divine that exists for them in their culture. And it's kind of a fundamental, it's a building block practice And so yoga has many ways of using sound, which I think is one of the exciting things, that there's not just one way that that yoga uses sound. So I want to sort of explain to you a little bit today the different ways that we can use sound in yoga and the different ways I use it in my classes and the different way you could use it in your own personal practice. So broadly speaking, traditionally, all yoga in the past was used used mantra. So that is, mantra is a, a word or a collection of words taken from the Vedas. And often they, and they can be used so that we can hear them. They can be used out loud and they can also be used silently. So uh, traditionally in the past when someone was doing asana, like we might see there was a person doing a particular asana, sitting or standing in a particular way, in their mind they would have been using silent mantra. So that's one way to do it and sometimes I do that in class and obviously it has quite a strong impact on your mind. You can also do it out loud. So 
also we do that in class as well. It's like within the asana practice, we're not just breathing and moving. We're also making, chanting a particular mantra. And you don't need to be good at singing to do this. I think that's an obstacle for us sometimes is to make a sound that we think is meant to sound nice. I mean, of course, we all want to sound nice. However, in the context of yoga, that's completely irrelevant. It, It doesn't matter what it sounds like. We're not trying to make a pleasant sound. We are just wanting to initiate that vibration within us by making the sound and I've certainly been in the context of um, in a more sort of a group of Indian people before and they don't care they're really not all trying to make some gorgeous sound it's like they are making the mantra for the sake of of sounding the mantra which so if we if we look at how we might use a mantra in a yoga class, um, which which I do, uh, we have a, a lot to choose from, and the choice of mantra really is important. There's a lot of mantra available, um, particularly if you study and learn mantra, and they all have a different function and a different purpose. Some of them are strongly connected with nature. So there's always mantra for the sun, the moon, water, um, the wind, any element of nature, there is a mantra that goes with it. There's also lots of mantra for particular deities or devas or goddesses and gods. And they all have a very different sound and a very different feel. So in winter, you know, it might be really appropriate to use a, a mantra for the sun because we're lacking the sun and we need warming and heating. It would perhaps not be so sensible to use that in the peak of summer where we're already experiencing a lot of heat. We don't necessarily want to add more heat when we're already hot. Maybe in the middle of Dunedin that's not quite such an issue, but I think you get what I mean. So what I want to do now is I'm going to chant for you the Surya Namaskara Mantra. And this is a beautiful mantra that I've been using lately in class because it goes through the chakra points. And in class, this we we can do we do that at the end of the class, but there's also these little, you'll hear it, these little mantras at the start that are called the Bija mantra, and it's like the seed sound. And that's a really easy thing for people to chant in class or in their meditation, or we use it in silently in pranayama. So I'm going to chant this for you, just so you can have a listen. And as I'm chanting, it's all about the sun. And if you, no, I won't talk about the chakras as I do. I'm just going to chant the whole thing. It takes maybe four or five minutes. It's a, a longish chant. Oh, Ram, Udyanadya Mitra Mahaha. Oh, Ram, Udyanadya Mitra 
Mama Suya. Om Hai Arimanancha Nachaya Om Hai Om Raum Shukhe Shume Arimanam Om Raha Rupanakasu Dadmasi So that's just half of the charm. I'll finish there. And I actually want to talk about what just happened you may or may not have heard I made a mistake in that chant and that's despite doing it hundreds of times. So I made a mistake because my mind for a moment flipped off. I lost concentration. I had a glance at my watch. And the reason I'm telling you that is to illustrate that one one of the functions of chanting is that it is training for the mind it if you do vedic chanting it requires intense concentration every single syllable needs to be pronounced exactly as it is written which i'm kind of making that sound like it's not fun it is incredibly engaging that's if you're doing Vedic chanting, which is something that I learn and teach. And it's when you sit down and you learn a whole chant. And it can, you, it can take months to learn a whole chant. Some of them are sort of shorter than that, but some of them are very long and very complicated. But what I wanted to point out to you is that Vedic chanting is different than just chanting other texts. And you may have heard, it's becoming slightly more popular now, these other texts that can be chanted, and they don't have to follow the same rules. They're not from the Vedas. The Vedas are a vast collection of ancient texts, and they're referred to as Shruti. It means that they were actually heard. They were from the divine. And so they cannot be altered by humans so there has been this oral oral tradition that has gone on for hundreds and hundreds of years where they need to be repeated exactly which is not the same as what we do when we're chanting in an asana class so if we're chanting for the sake of in our asana we only choose one one smallish thing that's manageable and easy, say from that long chant that I did just did, if I was using that in asana class, we would maybe just pick oh, and use that. So it's very different. And so using it in, in asana, it's very accessible anyone can do it you just need to be able, brave enough to open your mouth and make the sound 
which brings me to another point, a, a question that I wanted to answer, actually, that somebody asked me, so what's the difference between kirtan and Vedic chanting, um, particularly as we've started up a monthly kirtan group in Dunedin, out in Port Chalmers, and actually there's there's two. There's somebody else, um, Soma Yoga, if you look for her on Facebook, um, at AYU there, they also, um, theirs isn't necessarily monthly, but they do a Kirtan event as well. So there's a bit of Kirtan happening in Dunedin, which is super exciting. That is completely different. Kirtan, I'm not an expert on, on Kirtan. I just love it. And if I say something wrong, please excuse me. But my understanding of it is it's devotional and there's not strict rules at all that what you sing in kirtan is wide and varied um and it's not just coming from the vedas so there's no strict rules in fact the uh, whole kind of idea behind it is that it's it's an emotional practice it's to open your heart and so you sing with feeling and it's it's closer to singing these melodies and it, it's kind of sounds beautiful because it's this this sweet thing that comes from your heart and it's done in a way mostly or maybe nearly always I'm not sure that there's a leader if there's someone that's sitting there they may have an inst they may have a variety of instruments and some people supporting with them with instruments or it might be really simple they might just have some bells or at the most basic it could be done just with clapping they sing something and the people who are participating in the Kirtan echo it back. They sing it back to the Kirtan leader. And usually there's this kind of, it starts softly and usually there's a swelling and a building and then a quietening and a softening, um, which is very different from Vedic chanting. It's Vedic chanting in some ways you could say is at the other end of the continuum in terms of it's a solitary solitary practice no well when we learn we do it with a teacher yeah usually it is something that's done no not always on your own but it's certainly not done in a kind of a freestyle emotional way it's done in a way that it's bringing bringing your mind into a place of absolute focus so you wouldn't necessarily be closing your eyes and going off into a beautiful sort of soft experience that would like you could be in kirtan and you don't need to learn kirtan anyone can do it you just jump on board and and, and you know anyone and everyone can do it whereas if you're wanting to do actual vedic chanting you absolutely need to learn it and it can take quite a long time to learn and which is and in between those two i guess is where we can use sound in our asana practice which again is very straightforward and you don't need any lessons or skills to do it. You can just pick it up straight off the bat. So I hope that gives you a wee bit of at least interest, perhaps, in the use of sound and how it can deepen a yoga practice and take you to places really that without sound you may not end up going. For me almost now, yoga without sound is a wee bit like porridge without salt. It's like, meh. It's kind of okay, but there's something missing. 
So if you are curious, two things you can come along to. The, the monthly kirtan at Port Chalmers happens at the last Friday of every month. It's an open-hearted invitation to the entire community. It starts at 7 p.m. at Pioneer Hall, which is kind of on the main street of Port Chalmers. There are some chairs there. If you're going to sit on the floor, you have to bring your own cushion. We don't provide cushions. And it, you'd be very uncomfortable without a cushion on the floor. And also, if you think, actually, I want to try a yoga class that has chanting in it, look at New Yoga. That's NU Yoga. They have a, a website there which lists what teachers are teaching when. So I'm Kate. If you didn't catch my name at the start, Kate Bendel, and I'm the only teacher at New that uses chanting. So, yeah, hopefully it'll be nice to, to see or hear from some of you who want to try some sound in, in your yoga practice. Thank you for spending this time with me. And as always, I look forward to spending time with you in a fortnight. I'm Kate Bendel, the Dunedin Yoga Lady. Join me every second Tuesday at 10.30 as we explore all things to know about yoga. My passion is to open the doors of this powerful practice to the community and to share that passion with you. The Dunedin Yoga Lady, fortnightly on Tuesdays at 10.30 on ORFM and podcast from oar.org.nz. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.